Hi, everybody. It's Bob Hussler from The Fan. Coming up next, it's Locked Up Sports on 365sportscast.com. He took a home run away from Roland. Trying to get back to first half. comes to talking sports, they're the authority. It's Bob Walters and Brett Grasso. It's Lock Up Sports, and it starts now. Bring them out, bring them out, hey. Bring them out, bring them out, yeah. Bring them out, bring them out, hey. Bring them out. Here we go. Bob Walters, Brett Grasso. From the Brian Gunzel Studios, this is Locked Up Sports on 365sportscast.com or on anywhere you're listening to your podcast. Right, we got a big, big show tonight. We got WFAN's own Bob Usler. Big He'll be get. Big, big get. get. Big get. He'll be with us in just a couple of minutes. He'll be with us most of the show. But first, I want, we want to start with game game number five last night. And, oh, oh no, they did it again. And the Rangers, it's the first time the Rangers lost in a while. At the Garden since the first game of the playoffs. And it was another, it's a, just a backbreaker. When they lose these games in the last minute, last two minutes of the game, they are just backbreaking losses. Game three, they needed to win that one. I'm sorry, but it, last night, you know, obviously, same kind of thing as game three, but game three, they had them. Now, listen, I'm not ready to, I'm, not, tied, I'm not ready to, to end it yet. Now, I've been saying they weren't going to win the couple of year, and now, and now I'm going to say I'm not ready to end it. You know why? Because we were, no. everybody was kicking dirt on this team. Down three one to Pittsburgh, uh, it's just the, the best goalie in the world got pulled in two consecutive games. They, they they came back, they won it. Carolina, nobody can beat Carolina at home. Rangers got embarrassed in Game Five of that series. They went to Game Seven, and everybody was counting them out after Game Five. I'll oh, forget it. They yo go quietly into the night. Game Six, they won it at at the Garden. Come back, and it's a blowout in Game Seven. So. Maybe I hear you, but this is different. No, this is the, the momentum shift is going the dead opposite way. They start in there where they're you know the up 0-2. In both those Listen, situations, they had them in game three. There's like seven minutes left in the third period, tie game. The Rangers go four minute minor. They got the power play, and that was their chance. They they needed to get one there, win game three, and get this over with. And from that point on. I mean, listen, they put up a good fight last night. Same thing. Right down, well, how much time was left? Minute, minute 50. Minute 50 last night. And it wasn't a great goal. That, I mean, no, it was just it kind of one of those C&I goals that kind of got in. Uh, but you know what? They had their opportunity, you know, late in game three to go up 3-0 in this series, which is, you know, a backbreaker. Yeah, but they're not going up. Listen, Tampa Bay is... Back-to-back Stanley Cup champions. They're not. They weren't that's getting swept. That's why you sweat. need to take advantage when you have that opportunity and you have them on the ropes. Okay, so they and missed the opportunity, but they're not going. They're not going to. But they're not. They weren't going to go down quietly like that. They, they, okay, they were up two nothing. Listen, they were up two nothing. Right in that game, they were tied two two. You had a four minute power play. You get it. That's a ch- missed opportunity. Yep. But that's not. 
that's something that happened. The other team, you got to give them credit. They're back-to-back Stanley Cup champions. They beat the, they they killed the penalty. They got a goal. They beat them that game. They listen. And then, you know, we're in trouble. Way, we're in trouble. No, Shesterkin looks good. He's looked good, and you know. Uh, up until the last minute of Vasilevsky uh, last looks game. better, and Vasilevsky right now he is a better goalie. He's an only. You're gonna have to put up more than one goal to win these games. Yeah, and it was kind of like it was a it was a weird. Did you see the goal? It was it was, it was like a wrist shot yeah. with that just perfect. You know, know. you couldn't have placed it in there any better. Over the shoulder, they go blocker side with him. It, clearly, his blocker side is is his weakness. Now you got to go to Tampa, and now you got to go to Tampa, and you just get, hey, look, you got to win a game. Go out there and win a game. Shesterkin could go crazy yeah. in game six. They, 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 you know, Rangers get a couple goals down. You don't have Messier walking through the door. The Messier's not coming here to, to, to save this. There's no Messier in the team. Crowder's not Messier. It's different. It's a young team that we didn't expect no to be here. No guarantees coming? No, no, there's no, no nobody, guarantees. No, no, you can't Are they going to be like, we're not really sure when they're like, are you, you going to win? Yeah, they got anything like, to say? We're, we're, we think we're 50-50. Yeah. And That's, was that what they're going to say? Yeah. <laughs> Good chance. It's possibly. Possible. I wouldn't no bet guarantee. On us. I, I don't guarantee. I don't guarantee it. I don't guarantee it. I mean, so Messier is not, you know, someone like that team was constructed to win the Stanley Cup in 1994. The Rangers got these guys, most of the team, most of the big stars, they got them to win in 94. They got, you know, McTavish and Lowe and all these guys. This is a young team. This team wasn't supposed to be here yet this year. But that's not that's not a reason to go out there and lose four four to one, five to two. Are we just talking about who's going to lose to Colorado right now? Yeah, yeah, I think is that so. what we're all talking about? Yeah, I, I've been saying is that, that. What we're yelling about? You could go back to episode one. I who think who gets maybe the two. opportunity to get blown out by and Colorado? I, and I told you, and I told you, Colorado's the best team. Nobody's beating Colorado, and I even said it to our, our both range of guests. Yeah, that we, had on. we were just surprised because you've never been right. Yeah, I know, I know. Well, and you know, I hope I will. I hope I'm not right. Us. I hope I'm not right. Can't blame Last us. night, hey, listen, the game. And maybe the series and maybe the Eastern Conference Championship was on the stick of Strom with about two minutes left. The pass, he just couldn't get a stick on it. He kind of, the pass was behind him. It was a great play. I would have shot the puck. Um, it was a Fox that made the pass. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't blame him for making that pass. Panarin, again, Panarin was a little bit better last night. But Panarin, he's, besides that game seven, he's been, he's been useless in this series. Um Shosturkin's played well. Vasilevsky's played better in the last three games. I don't know. I thought that, to be honest with you, I think the Rangers are a better team. But the experience, when you're playing something like the Stanley Cup uh, Stanley Cup playoffs and you're in something like the Eastern Conference Finals, it's different. It's different. And they've been here before. They've won here before. The Rangers have not. I don't know how many Stanley Cups the Rangers have on their team, but they almost got the whole team Tampa back. They, they, they got two straight. Hey, listen, go win a game in Tampa. Yep. Go win the game in Tampa and come back. They ain't losing game seven at the Garden. They're not losing game seven. All right. There's your guarantee. There's I'm, your first here's guarantee. Your guarantee. Here's your guarantee. They're not losing game seven at the Garden. I'm going. Oh, my God. I'm going. Oh, the, the two things happening in the same time, them winning at the Garden and you going, wow. That's it. I'm going. That's the toughest parlay I've ever heard. I'm going. So we'll, we'll put up the GoFundMe. Uh, All right. We'd like to welcome in our guest for today. You know him from WFAN. He started in 1993. This year, he will start his 35th year as the Fairfield Stags men's basketball play-by-play announcer. He is also behind the mic for the Tate George, one of the most famous calls in college basketball history. His name, uh, some people call him Mr. Met. We know him as Bob Usler. Bob, thanks for coming on the show today. My pleasure, Bob. Glad to be with both you and Brett today. Thanks, Bob. Welcome, welcome to the show. Uh, so 35 years at Fairfield, huh? That's crazy. 
Yeah, and the, uh, even crazier is that it's not consecutive. I uh, actually uh, started with Fairfield uh, back in the uh, mid-80s. I uh, had to give it up for a year because I had two young children, and my wife asked me, uh, hey, can you take a break from this because it involves some traveling? And I did, and then I eventually ended up uh, doing the UConn games, and um, the, I worked for that. Uh, organ- the Connecticut Radio Network had the UConn games at the time. They lost the rights. And uh, so then that job disappears. That is how we ended up at the fans because I started looking for new radio work. That was 1993, FAN. Then I went back to Fairfield, and they can't get rid of me. I'm <laughs> like the wallpaper now. They can't get, get me off the wall. Well, you got to love it. I mean, you must love it to be doing it that long. And and. I was actually when I was I was doing my research. I was looking at I was looking at the Fairfield. Uh, I didn't realize one of my favorite coaches, one of my favorite college basketball coaches, is Ed Cooley. Now I'm a St. John's guy. I'm a St. John's fan, but Ed Cooley, I always think he gets the most out of his teams. I just I think he's one of the better coaches out there, and I think he's very underrated. I didn't even realize he started at Fairfield. Oh yeah, uh, I um, I can tell you first of all, Bob, that Ed Cooley is as good a guy as he is a great basketball coach. And uh, it was probably, in all the years I've been associated with Fairfield, uh, it was, that was clearly a masterstroke. It was the one thing they really got right. We've, uh, we've had, we're, in a way, we're like the Mets, if you look at a, a Fairfield basketball historically, where you have those spectacular seasons, but then it's followed by a lot of frustration and sometimes mediocrity and some losing seasons. But coolly, they got it right. And um, I, I talked to him, in fact, uh, a couple of months ago after he won the Naismith Award, the coach, you know, the national award. Yeah, they had a great year this year. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, we spoke for a long time, and Bob, I can tell you that he's the same at Cooley as he was back when uh, he was a pretty humble first-year head coach. It was his first head coaching job, Fairfield. And just a, a, a wonderful guy, and I wish him and Providence nothing but the uh, you know, and, he, and he went right from there into Providence, and, and he's become one of the top. I mean, Providence is always—they're always a you know sleek, they're always sneaky good kind of Providence. You don't expect them. He he'll win a Big East tournament out of nowhere. But you know, this year they made the run to the Sweet Sixteen. But I was just—I was surprised. And I've always said it. I've even said it on this show a couple of times how how much I, I I think he's just an excellent coach. I think he gets the most out of his players, and like you said, he's a good. And it seems to it seems to me now. I'm not going to pretend to be a Fairfield expert, but he seems to have kind of jump started that program a little bit. Well, he did. He had uh, we had great great years under him. Uh, the one thing we did not do and still haven't done since 1997 was uh, win a MAC championship. Um, I, there's no reason to get, uh, I wouldn't bore you with the details of what went wrong. Kind of uh, again, I use that comparison to the Mets. But we had a team in the 2010 season, uh, 2010-2011, that was the equivalent of, those teams were the equivalent of, say, the 06 Mets and um, stumbled. But, look, it wasn't because of Ed. It was circumstantial. And uh, he was a hot property late in his Fairfield career. And uh, he's a great story because he's a Providence native. I mean, this is, I mean, this is a guy who literally came home to take that Providence job. He's, he's an orphan. 
He literally grew up on the streets really? of Providence. Wow. Yeah. I didn't even know. Yeah, that. I didn't know that. Now you say the 2010, 2011. The, yeah, I'm just looking at it here. You guys had a great. I mean, you lost only three conference games. You 25 and eight. Where, where did they lose? Where did they lose lost in the MAC tournament? To, to get this, the St. Peter's. Oh, so St. Peter's jumped in, jumped there for it. Got their start as an underdog against you guys. It's amazing. <laughs> St. Peter's is. I don't know how familiar you, you are with the their campus, the program, um, what they just did, forget what they did by upsetting Fairfield that year, because um, even though it was a, it was a bad stumble, St. Peter's had a legitimately good team. They won, they won the whole thing. They ended up beating us and then beating Iona for the championship. But what they just did is in my estimation on the short list of the most extraordinary college basketball stories of all I totally agree. I mean, uh, their enrollment at the college is why well, I think only a couple thousand people. Yeah. Oh, and they were great. I mean, they they beat when we came on the air right after they beat Kentucky in that opening round. But you know what I think it is? I think these these teams. I think it could happen more because when you got the one and dones or they only play, they don't form as a team. There's also a big difference between an 18 year old and a 21 and 22 year old. Like you, know, you have a lot of seniors on these teams on these no name right. teams. You know, quote unquote no name teams. It's a big difference between a 21 year old and an 18 year old kid. The 18 year old kid might go to the NBA and be a star, but he's not. He's not there. And they're also they've been playing together three, four years. They got a team dynamic. There's no doubt. There's uh, there's I always refer to uh, that what well, that concept you're talking about is shared experience, and that counts for something. Of course. And when you've got guys who are in there for a year or two and they're out, there's no way you can build that continuity. And, uh, yeah, two things going for St. Peter's. You have some guys who have been together for a while, and they were unbelievably well-coached and probably underrated as players. Uh, you, well, you end up at St. Peter's for a reason, because somebody's over-recruited you. Yeah, uh, yeah. Right. But, you know, you're right. Kentucky, here's a – and they were getting better as the season moved along, but, you know, they see St. Peter's in the first round, and uh, before you know it, you're down – 10, 12, 14, and then all of a sudden the alarm bell goes off. And <laughs> yeah, it's too late. Too, too, too late, yeah. Yeah, not now, used to um, playing from down like that. Yeah, either. now you, um, now let me let me ask you, because you, you made mention that you did the UConn um, games for, what was it, three, four years, and then, you, you know, you're, you're, are you more famous around, do you get recognized more as the Mike and the Mad Dog update guy, or as the Tate George, as your call for the Tate George shot? Well, well, uh, you know, it, I would say that there's nothing that can replace uh, the exposure you get, or I got in this particular case with Mike and Chris. Um, I guys, I worked uh, at the fan for about a month. It was I'm not going to say it was a probationary period, but when I went on the air in 1993, they were giving me shifts on weekends. Uh, for the most part, just to kind of get my feet wet and see if they like me or not. And then I'll never forget it. I went on Mike. I went on a shift where I was on with Mike and Chris for the first time in the summer of 1993. And even though people and many had start in Connecticut, had started to hear me on the fan and say, you know the typical reaction. Hey, I heard you on yeah, the fan. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. When I was on with Mike and Chris, it was like all of a sudden. And how I was really um, the fan. It was the, it was the only show around too. Yeah, and that's what it is. It's just you know, it's like you're hitting right at the right time on the right show when you know everybody in New York's listening. 
Yeah, you know, Brett, uh, that's a good point. And uh, not only did I hit the right show, I hit that show as it was really peaking. Oh, yeah, I remember. Uh, because, yeah, you had the mid-'90s, and, uh, you know, Bob, as a Rangers fan, I mean, 94. That's it. Uh, you, you had the Rangers were, you know, doing what they were about to do in 94. The Knicks were relevant every spring. Yep. The, uh, the the Yankees were beginning, you know, 95. They had the Seattle series, and then 96, we know what happens. And then the Yankees dynasty comes into uh, it's yeah, Bob, we don't need to talk about the Yankee oh, dynasty. Please. Don't worry yeah. about, don't worry about we've, that. We've all lived through that. <laughs> but but here, here's how it plays into with me and Mike and Chris, because Mike identified me early on as a Yankee hater. And Chris loved it. That's and it. so that kind of played into the dynamic. It was Chris and me with that, that silly crack committee. I don't know if you remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he's a Giants fan. Right. He, hated, he hated the Yankees as much as you do, as much as me and you, uh, all of yep. us do. Yeah, dog, dog. Uh, you know, Mike, he, he christened me and Chris the crack committee. And then, you know, and then Chris would have the bell and the crack committee would come to order and he hit the bell. And there were actually listeners who thought that the crack committee was for real. And they, were, <laughs> they, were, they want a membership card. <laughs> yeah, I listen. Some people go overboard. That's Some great. people go overboard with that. They have that Mike uh, Francesa Khan thing going on with the Santa Khan. Listen, it's a, I love the show. I listened every day, and I was I was I was devastated when they when they broke up and whatnot. Now, was it was it awkward those the, you know, coming in every twenty minutes when they when they hated each other those those couple of years? Well, you know, there were there were days that uh, everything was great, you know, and I I would say, guys, more often than not, it was good. But the problem is when they had their battles, it wasn't like okay, you walked out the door and everything was forgotten. You came back to work the next day, and you know you pick it right yeah. back up. Uh, it tended to linger at times. It's like any office. So, it's like any office in America. <laughs> correct. Correct. Yeah, exactly. And so it, awkward. No, you kind of just diffused it at times. Uh, I, I, I will tell you, and I think both Mike and Chris would uh, attest to this. Certainly Chris would. Uh, there were times where there was a little bit of tension. You'd go in there and Chris would, he would hit me off ahead of time. He basically, in so many words, he would say, I'm going to bust in your balls yeah. here because I need to kind of lighten things up or you know, get Mike involved. And, and it usually worked because what he would do is Chris would ambush me and then Mike would also jump in. And now instead of Chris and Mike, it would be both of them you know, ganging up on me, usually over the Mets. Or over and, Fairfield. Right. They gave yeah. you a hard time over the Just right. like they gave uh, Car uh, Chris Carlin a hard time over Rutgers. Yes. Oh, endless. Uh, you, you, it, right. It wasn't just particular to me. It was anybody who sat in that update. Chair. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You know, Minko. Minko. Oh my God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, with his bingo, bingo, and they gave him a hard time about that. Oh, forget. Uh, yeah, uh, dog was it, great. Dog was great. But I you know what a lot of people say. Like a lot of people think Mike's a jerk. I bet Mike a bunch of times. I did the uh, uh, what was it? Fantasy? Not the fantasy. Was it the fantasy phenom where you tried out? How we, right. when they got out, yeah, I did that. I met him a couple times. He met my wife in law. Me and my me and my wife went line, and he he started talking to my wife. He's like, "Are you trying out?" He's like, "I love it. You should go up there." And she's like, "No, no, no I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it." But he's a nice. He's actually a nice guy. You know, uh, Mike. Uh, I've said this to many people, uh, and I'm not just saying it because this is how you've set it up. He's uh, inside. He's he's a, he's a softy. He really is. 
I, I know. Look, and <laughs> there are everything that can be written and said about Mike Francesa, and you know the you know that that side of his personality, which is angry and argumentative, and you know, and so on and so forth. We we said it. It's been written. It's been said. But I've seen the other side many, many, many times. He can be as gracious as anybody as you ever met, and Bob, you just attested to it by the story with your wife. Yeah, and you know that's how it goes. That's how I mean a lot of like my wife gets mad at me about stuff I say on this podcast sometimes, and I'm like, oh, come on, right? I'm you know, like, I'm just entertaining, I'm just trying to entertain people. That's, that's funny. Part, that's part of what makes him great is that you know he's gonna say what's on his mind. It's gonna be you know how it is, and even if you know that's upsetting to certain people, but it doesn't change that you know the guy you know is a good guy. Um, yeah, you know, and, and, and he, he you know he he needed what he is is a product of his own personality. He's the guy who, if you met him in a bar. And he wasn't on the radio. He's going to argue with you if he disagrees. And he's going to come at you. He has a take. And sometimes it's controversial. Sometimes he'll say things that you're like, you look at him and you're like, what are you talking about? But the fact is, he, he, has, a, he has conviction. And he was able to communicate it well. And it's, but, and it's cheap to buy him a, you know, a Diet Coke's a lot cheaper than a beer. <laughs> That's a good deal. <laughs> I never thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> I could have saved some money on the Grey Goose. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. But yeah, he doesn't need that. Um, <laughs> now, real quick, one more thing on Mike. I was watching your, your, your Tate, Tate George call. And afterwards, I saw a clip where they went to the studio. And it's Mike and Nance. In the guy, so the CBS call of it was what I was watching after 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 yours, and then they went to Mike and Nance, and they're in the studio, and they 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 they're babies. Mike looks like he's like twenty something years old, and he and they, they were like, Mike's like, it's not, the game's not over until the buzzer sounds, and like they, they redo it over and over, and you see, you're like, how did they ever? How did we ever watch this stuff <laughs> like this? Like now we're like picking apart. You see the the replays, the with the neighborhood playing baseball. They can't even do that anymore. But I was laughing to myself with him and Nance in the studio. Yeah, that's his guy. Jim Nance is, uh, you know, they go, he, he, Mike actually tried him out when uh, Jim Nance was being, uh, when they auditioned Nance at CBS, uh, Mike was the guy who kind of, um, you know, put him through the ringer. They had a uh, so-called dress rehearsal. Now, and, oh, God, God. God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, God. Say, you know, to this day, Jim Nance will give Mike Francesa all kinds of credit for helping uh, move his career in the direction that eventually you went. Yeah, and now who 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 is some bad? Now for me, I like I love Breen, I love I love I think Gus Johnson, and I love Iron Eagle. Those are my three basketball guys. Who are your your basketball? Like who did you look up to growing up to? Who do you like now as far as you know play by play radio television? Yeah, well, that, uh, Bob, that uh, that the basketball question is the easiest one you'll give me all day. Is uh, it's Marv Albert. Uh, yeah, I knew he was going to say that. I knew it. Yeah, and, and you know, it's, it's it's not an exaggeration to say that he influenced uh, hundreds, if not thousands, of uh, broadcasters or wannabe broadcasters. Uh, because listen, uh, I'm a little guy now. <laughs> My father would I give have... the same answer. My father would give the exact same answer, and so would Brett's well, father, of course. Yeah, well, your father then can attest to what I'll tell you. Back then. Radio was uh, was a, a huge part of the sports experience, and I mean, just just understand that the, the game 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 seven of nineteen seventy, Knicks and Lakers was not 
live television. It's amazing, you know, uh, to me that people were able to watch, you know, today. But back then, it wasn't even the game that they were watching. You were just listening to someone else interpret what was there. And it really was up to the broadcaster to to share that experience and give it to the listener. We we were at the very end of that because for me, I'm just like you. I loved radio. I went went to school for radio and then I I became a correction officer because that's what you do, right? Um, (laughs) And then... uh, I was the same way. I love listening to games. Me and me and my friends would listen to the, the Mets games on the radio sometimes because I didn't have Sports Channel. I actually didn't see yep. Game 6, Rangers-Devils, the guarantee. I didn't see that because I didn't have Sports Channel. Yep. <clears throat> okay. And it was carried yeah, on the so. local networks. And yeah. because it was the yep. Devils or a local team, MSG didn't get the home games in Jersey. So I had to yeah. listen. And I had to listen to that. And uh, oh man, I mean, forget it. That that's one of the greatest player series I've ever seen, still to this day. And listening to that, yeah. and and you know, I was a radio guy myself. I used to, I had a black, a little black and white TV. You know, sometimes the uh, the antenna, I'd have to move the antenna. So I, I'm, you know, we're not that young, Bob. We're not that young. Well, I, I'll <laughs> tell you, here, here's how we, absurd it could get for you know people like me who are into sports mm-hmm. and into listening to sports on the radio. I had this little piece of junk, real to real, tape recorder. Yeah, I know. And I would, I would actually tape Marv Albert calling Knicks games, not not because I was an aspire. I was a kid, uh, so not because I was an aspiring broadcaster. It's because I enjoyed listening to replays of Marv calling the games. As a, I mean, think about that. I mean, now you you know you wake up and you look at your phone and you're seeing any highlight you want. Back then, I'm listening to radio replays, which just sounds absurd when you think about it. But the fact is, he was that compelling as a basketball play-by-play announcer on the radio, and um, certainly influenced me. And right, I mean, Mike Breen is the most notable example of somebody who would give you the same answer as to his. Favorite. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, well, Mike Breen, he was the Knicks guy growing up, right? Oh, yeah. Mike Breen was a huge Knicks guy growing up, uh, a huge Marv Albert guy, and actually a pretty good basketball player himself. Um, he's, he is a self-described basketball junkie, and I, I know Mike casually. Uh, we've gotten together a few times and, and, and had some nice conversations about career paths, that kind of thing. And I can attest to the fact that, uh, A, he is a bona fide basketball junkie, a bona fide Knicks guy, and uh, having played with him on the uh, the Fan 66ers. Ah, the 66ers, actually, yes, I remember yeah, this. Yeah, we used to have a basketball team. He, he's uh, got so. some game, is that what you're telling us? He does have some game. He's a point guard. <laughs> he's pretty good. I said we had some good players. Eddie Coleman could play basketball. Uh, Dave Jennings, the late Dave Jennings. Yeah, the Giants punter. The, but he was, he was a Giants uh, punter. I mean, you know, he was a professional oh, athlete. Yeah, I'll tell you what he could he could hoop he could ball. Now, um, um, now, now, let me uh, tell us a little bit about um, Steve Garrett. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> you got. I didn't think I did my research, huh? Did you? You you dug deep for that. Uh, well, Bob, it, it's a uh, it's uh, a long story, so I'll make it short. Okay. Um, there, I worked for um, ESPN back before they were affiliated with New York, meaning uh, I lived in Connecticut. Uh, in fact, guys, I lived 18 miles from at the time, not any longer, but uh, at the time I lived only 18 miles door-to-door from, from ESPN in Bristol. 
And, you know, I used to commute from my town in Hamden, Connecticut, up near Quinnipiac University, uh, to a story every day for the fans. So people would say, you know, why, you know, why do you go to New York and crazy commute every day? And the answer is because I love being at the fan. But I enjoyed doing, you know, radio work. And so I did part-time work at ESPN Radio Network, national. But they then bought, uh, in the early 2000s, a local New York affiliate. So now there's a conflict, and I'm being heard on 1050 ESPN Radio in New York, and I'm on the fan at the same time, and they're competitors now. So I asked if I could change. They asked if I could change my name, the fan. Nice. So Steve Garrett is my two sons' names are Steve and Gary. So... Uh, the obvious choice there would have been go Gary Stevens, but there are two. There's a Gary Stevens, the famous jockey. Uh, and okay. There's a, there's a and there's a famous Gary Stevens disc jockey that there was. So I said, All right, so I went with Steve Garrett, and um, a lot of people. In fact, they worked with Dan Patrick. Uh, he had a radio show on ESPN at the time, and um, he 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 thought for sure there's a Hawaii Five O character. Uh, Steve Garrett. <laughs> I, for sure. I found yeah. the article, and I actually had to give my cousin works at ESPN, and okay. I actually I emailed it to him, and I was like, "Is this real? Is this satire? Am I going to look like an idiot when I bring <laughs> yes, this up?" Great. I will just confirm this, yes or no. And he goes, "Oh my god!" He goes, "I never even realized." He goes, I didn't realize yeah. it was him. He goes, "I walked." He's talking about building one and building two in the hallway in between. Yeah, and he said. Yeah. He said, I used to pass him every day and say hello to him. Yeah. That's yeah. so great. Some, some I'll, people... tell you a quick, I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, I, was, I was there at the beginning of Mike and Mike. That's how long ago it was. But I was there like from day one. When I, wasn't a, I wasn't full time, but I would fill in on that show as the anchor. And there was a time uh, one morning when the producer, his name is Justin Craig. In fact, I think he's now, um, he was the program director at ESPN Local in New York for a long time. Good guy. He, he calls me in. He says, you're not going to believe this phone call I just got. What had happened was somebody was listening in New York and called Control and said, that guy, I'm telling you, that guy who says he's Steve Garrett, I'm telling you, his real name is Bob Houston. I know his voice. I know his voice. Don't let him try and pull. I don't know what he's trying to pull here. That's not any Steve. And you Justin. didn't throw a little accent or uh, try and make, mix it up? <laughs> yeah. you just, it was just you? You didn't even try and like hide it? Be an Australian guy or something on ESPN? Yeah, you could have had a whole bunch I, of different gigs. You could have yeah, yeah, just signed I'm up not, for everybody. I'm not a good voice guy, but that might not have been a bad idea. Does, does Mike McCann do? Mike McCann does the same thing now, right? Uh, Mike has used, uh, I don't know if Mike's done. Mike is kind of, he's like me. I'm, mm-hmm. I, I, and I, I, I should interject here with one other, you know, I'm, I'm retired, but I'm going to continue to pick up a, a shift here and there. So, uh, I want to make sure people don't If you love doing it, you're never really retired. Don't worry. We didn't yeah, get, we didn't even get into the juicy stuff yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, but Mike, Mike, uh, Mike's a long time radio guy, but I don't know if he ever uh, okay. tried to pull a Steve Garrett routine when he was working at the fan. But Mike, uh, Mike has moved. Uh, he's up in mid 
New York State okay. and uh, enjoying the good life. Yeah, all the old timers are going. Huh? Beningo's gone. You got uh, uh, Summers is gone. It's kind of like a changing of the guard there. They're going younger. It's 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 a different feel to the station too. Yeah, guys. But you know, I've and absolutely uh, so many of that. I'll call it the first generation or uh, retired, semi-retired, or you know, completely out. Um, that's how it works. That's how it's supposed to be. Well, you know, that's that's the way it goes. It's kind of a shame because they're about to miss uh, one of the greatest runs in Mets history. Yeah, well, no, no, Brett just touched the money. <laughs> Forget it. He touched the money. <laughs> yeah. I know. I, I I always go with the most. But you know what? It's falling apart here, Bob. I mean, we're six and a half up. Yeah. West, and I always say, I say the the West Coast trips are where Mets seasons go to die. And yeah, well, you know, I, I'll. I think they're going to be fine, and uh, you know, a lot of people will say that we're talking as you know before they played the Angels on Friday night. Uh, the Angels are playing. Ter- I know they just ended the fourteen game, but uh, they're playing terrible baseball. I like the fact that McGill is back tonight. Looking for good things from him. This, this season is. I just had. I'm actually, guys, as crazy as this sounds, I am glad. The Braves are making a run at the Mets. Yeah, you don't want to yeah. be twenty. This way up. we can end the narrative. End oh, the you know everybody's going to start waiting for the collapse. Because you hate on you, the record. You hate now. You're most now for my generation, our generation, me and Brett here. Our most hated team is the Braves because we grew up uh, in the nineties. Mm-hmm. And we just, I mean, just every year, and then Chipper Jones naming his kid, and this, and the, mm-hmm. the whole thing. I am well, so done with the Braves. Yeah, well, that's, it, mine is the Cubs. Okay. Uh, it's it's one of those, you know, the first one is always the one that is uh, the one that is with you forever in terms of well, love or hate. <laughs> I hate the Cubs. I really do. They um, they were the first quote unquote rival because even when uh, yeah, four sixty nine happened, mm-hmm. the Mets and Cubs were. You know, both horrible at the same time. They kind of ascended at the same time, and then of course '69 happened, and uh, and that sealed it for me. But there were other years. I mean, '84. You know, the Cubs and the Mets. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, and then, and then the- that's right when the Mets were just you know starting to pick things up, and then '85, the they they got better, and then of course we all know what happened '86. But that team could have won more than one. I mean, come on, '88 was a disappointment to the Dodgers. You got and yeah, they so- got the drugs. They got the drugs and partying and this and that. So. Yeah, yeah. But 85, uh, that, that team won 98 games, which was, uh, I think, uh, I read the other day, I, I like to pick up, the, I have a bunch of Mets books, you know, a lot of older books based on, you know, the history of the team or uh, particular eras of the team. I think I read that 98 wins was the most for a National League team to not make the playoffs yeah. since the first year that the Mets were in existence. It's amazing that that can even happen because you think of all yeah. the teams that are so good that could have very easily won the World Series in any given year that, you know, mm-hmm. now, especially this season, would be, you know, included into the playoffs, if not even more teams that probably wouldn't have a Everybody chance. Everybody makes the playoffs this year. Yeah. Yeah, 12 teams. Yeah. Uh, and that's... And- 
that's yeah. a big difference with how this race is going to unfold coming down the road with the trade deadline. More teams are going to be in it as the trade deadline approaches. Are they going to be willing to give up players if they're still in the race? Yeah. Um, I know. I'm somebody who wants – I want Dom Smith at. I, I think the Mets should trade Dom Smith. I think it would be the best thing for Dom Smith, and I think it would. I think the Mets, they clearly need bullpen help. What do you help. think his value is right now? Well – you know, obviously, a lot, a lot's going to depend upon uh, what he does at Syracuse mm-hmm. and what they do with him. Uh, you know, they're going to bring him back up sort of uh, as a showcase situation. I don't think he can do that unless circumstances dictate it, which unfortunately, you know, might be the case. But, you know, I'm knocking on wood as we speak that Alonzo's going to be fine and it's yeah. a thing tolerance thing and he gets through that. Um, you know, I think Dom still does have some value. In fact, I, we, I, I, he does have some value. It's just a matter of uh, you know what organization thinks he's, he's a good fit for them. And do they have stuff for the Mets? Because we got to get well, something back. You, you just said it. Uh, they're going to look to shore up that bullpen. Yep. And that's, and, but that's easier said than done. Uh, bullpens mean, are terrible. Look, all bullpens. Well, look, all look, bullpens. Look at, look at the team they're playing tonight. Look at Aaron Luke. Who yeah, yeah. you know? I mean, he, he basically, there's no nobody could hit him last year with the Mets. He's been okay with the Angels, but nothing like we saw. He, we saw him and Syndergaard as crushing losses to us going over to the yeah, Angels earlier. Know, now, I mean, I'm not saying it won't turn out to be where they, you know, they're going to perform, but it doesn't look so bad right now. What do now. you think of Syndergaard asking out of asking out of the start against the Mets? Because you know that's what he did. That, 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 give me a break. Yeah, I mean they. they talk about extra rest well i have you know the fact is he would have been on extra rest if he had pitched <laughs> yeah, on true. sunday he has it would have been it. another day you know what it really ticks me off and i guys i am not somebody who goes the only thing i will ever boo a player for at a game is the obvious lack of hustle uh somebody doesn't care somebody's just mailing it in when you and i and they've been just there are few i i don't boo you know, bad judgment, uh, meaning you know an error or, or uh, even a three strikeout game. Did you four. go? I mean, did you not, not go to any Mets games like in the in the mid nineties? Because that's all. That, I mean. <laughs> well, the, yeah, you're right. There, there were you know like a Vince Coleman. I'll boo him. You know, but I, my be point careful is, with I'm not. Him. That's, yeah, that's true. You. Yeah, that's true. Look out, or or Brett Sabrazing with the Bleach, right? Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I will say this though. The Angels will be at City Field next year because next year we have the the balanced schedule and every team is going to play every other team and the Angels will be coming to New York. I am praying that A, Syndergaard pitches one of the games and B, I'm at that game because I will unload my lungs. <laughs> I mean, the... I don't, you know, it's one thing to you know, leave, take a contract, sign as a free agent, you know, better your position. What he did was unforgivable because yep. what he did was he played both ends of it. He figured, well, if the medical, you know, if the medical tests show that the uh, elbow is not fully recovered, I'll take the $19 million from the Mets and basically do nothing. Or if it comes back clean, then I'll say I'll turn down the qualifying offer. I'll take two million dollars more. The twenty-one million he got me. Get out of here. That sounds like someone who's questioning themselves. Like you don't do that if you feel like healthy or a hundred percent or really back to where you are. Right. I, I, 
I, I couldn't agree more. And uh, I don't know what's going on in his head. And listen, he gave us some great moments. But that left a bad taste in my mouth. And then what he's done subsequent to that. Yeah, the video. You know, most, uh, yeah, we love right. you, New York. I love you. And then no, the no-hitter comment. Oh, take a walk. Take a walk, Syndergaard. I, I, I loved what Max Scherzer said in response to that. You, you saw that. No, what, what did he Scherzer? say? What did he say? Oh, oh it was fantastic. Yeah. Well, sure, after Syndergaard tweeted out, this is what a real no-hitter looks like. Max Scherzer tweeted at him, if you're interested, I'll, this A, said, if you're interested, I'll show you what a real ring <laughs> looks it. like. Well, and then he said, the closest you'll ever get to a ring is that dopey halo you wear on your cap. Oh, wow. Like, yeah, now, that's uh, that's pretty good. The ring rope. Now, real, yeah. real, 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 real talk, real talk, because I, I, how, I mean, do you, was, was uh, Santana's a no-hitter? Because I, I, it's so typical Mets that that's how we got our first no hitter. Yeah, you know it was a no hitter, and I'll tell you why. Even though I know the Beltron, if we had a replay, Beltron got hit in that game. Who cares? Because you know how many great look. Well, I'll just give you one of uh, double figure one hitters the Mets have had. Fantastic one hitters, but the imperfect game. You know, uh, right. you know, Seaver, yeah. yeah, July 9th, was it nineteen sixty nine with Jimmy Qualls? You know, come on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we I were at come close. we were at Bobby Jones one hitter. There you in go. The playoffs, it's the Giants. Yeah, yep. one of the greatest games ever pitched. But by how that. many? You yeah. know, how many no hitters were taken away, or you know, were gone in the other direction from a call from an umpire? Angel and, Hernandez. Yeah, it goes both. <laughs> it goes both directions. Right. Maybe right. not so, anymore, but it used you, to. You, you know what? I take it, enjoy yeah. it. You know, it, it counted. <laughs> it does. It counted. Yeah, it doesn't count an argument with a Yankee fan, though. Oh, <laughs> listen, oh, shit. Oh, listen, it's hard. It's hard, but we grew up, and and they all they get honest. They'll be like, you know, I don't hate the Mets. I go, first of all, I want you to hate the Mets because I hate right. the Yankees. Okay, right, right, right. And right. and I'll admit, readily admit that it's mostly jealousy. Like if you had, I said, I tell them, I go, if you had to grow up. And you had the Mets won four out of five, and one of them they won on Yankee Stadium, and you had to listen to me and Brett. Uh, you would hate the Mets too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Listen, I I, I understand the the person who says that they're you know they're not real rivals because one's American League, one's the National League. I couldn't. I'll say there's nothing that could be further from the truth. These are two organizations that battle for eyeballs, they battle for the back pages, and they battle for fans. And there's no greater battle than any of that. And I, I also say, just look at the Mets uniform, okay? The orange is the New York Giants orange. Yep. The blue is the Brooklyn Dodgers blue. And my grandfather was a huge New York Giants fan hated the Yankees for good reason because they met in the World Series every once in a while and they were city rivals. And the Dodgers, my father, was a huge Brooklyn Dodgers fan. He's a lifelong Brooklyn uh, native, as was my mother. Uh, I have Brooklyn blood, you know, throughout me. And if you're a Brooklyn Dodgers fan, you hated the Yankees. So you inherit that if you're a National League fan, as I am. And as my dad said, I just happened to taking it to a different level. <laughs> that's just the, yeah, that, that's the reality. Of it. Yeah. You know, that's, I, I, I respect the Yankees in the sense that 
I have so many friends who are Yankees fans, and they're baseball fans. Yeah, so yeah. we have that common denominator. We can talk baseball. But as far as the battle lines are concerned, yep. you're in one camp or the other. The worst place you can be is, well, I like them both. If a New like York both, fan. You're a not, New York you're fan. Not, yeah, yeah. No. Well, you're, not a, no. No, no. you're not a real fan no. of No, when, you're, like, when it's a, in your family, you're born that way, you're, t- you're developed that way, and you'll grow like how much of a fan you become. But it, it separates. It's, it it develop, you know, your friendships and all yeah. of that. And I tell people, I didn't listen. I I'm not, can't go back and forth. I think, what do you think? I, you think growing up I chose this life? You think I chose to be a Mets fan? This is not an easy <laughs> life. This is not the easy road. <laughs> well, I will uh, I will say that my both of my sons have encountered that. Uh, if I showed you my, uh, both of them, in fact, especially the junior high school age yearbooks, not as much in high school, but I, if I showed you some of their junior high school yearbooks, it would, it would be, Hey Steve, you're a great guy, but boy, you're met suck. Yeah. Hey Gary, yeah, Same I thing. love you. And we had no yeah, comeback. Yeah, but I, I will say this in defense of uh, being a lifelong Mets fan versus the whole Yankee jealousy thing. Don't bring it to this neighborhood because I'm telling you, uh, I, my first game, guys, I'll reveal again my age, was 1962. I went to the Polo Grounds with wow. my dad. Wow. And so growing up in the 60s with Casey Stengel, and watching the Mets develop, you know, as bad as they were, also coincided with the decline of the Yankees, which began in 1964. 64 through the early 70s, really into the mid-70s, the Yankees stunk. Yep. And the Mets took the town over in 1969. It's a different feel in the Mets. Good. I'm telling you, it, it is. And in 69, and... So I lived through the Jets winning a world uh, a Super Bowl, the Knicks winning a world championship in basketball, and the Mets. And I'm telling you, of the three of them, the Mets lit it up more than anybody. And that's taking nothing away from the Jets, which was incredible because of Namath, and the Knicks either, taking away nothing. But not, no team lit up the city. The only thing that compares, Bob, is the Rangers in 94. That's the only yeah, comparison I, I could come that. up with. That's all I have. In terms of, yeah, and in 69, it was like that. And then in 73, the Mets should have won the damn World Series again. My point being that for the better part of my early Mets years, the Yankees stunk. Yeah, they stunk. And, yeah. and, and, and then in the 80s, when the Mets came back, the Mets owned New York. And the Yankees went the other way. And then you look at you know, the late 80s, early 90s for the Yankees, they stunk. Well, then, all right, so the late 90s happened. They happened, but okay. Yeah, yeah it happened. We developed that generation of Mets fans along <laughs> but, the way, but, but let me just say this to, to all the Yankee fans listening out there. We don't want your pity. <laughs> we don't want correct. it. Correct. Uh, correct. Take it some. I have, uh, I live in a condominium here, and uh, I have a really nice uh, next-door neighbor couple. And he is one of those, uh, he likes the Yankees, and you know, kind of. I saw him the other day, and he said to me, we're talking baseball. He's not a big sports fan. He's not like you guys. He, he can talk it, but not really, you know, you know, just casually follows it. And he said to me, he said, you know, I'm really happy for, you know, you and the Mets. And I didn't say anything because he's not a, you know, legitimate big-time sports fan. But if you were, I would have come back at him because <laughs> right. I would have said, "Don't ever take that tone." Don't yeah, no, no. Say, I'm happy for you. That's you know. That's Tell me how classic. good the Yankees are. Right. 
Because they're better than the Mets right now. And, I don't, and I don't know if I can sit through another Mets Yankees Subway Series because I don't want to risk it. I don't know if I can risk it. Yeah, but how good is uh, it for this town for them both to be good this summer and for both to be like on top? Yeah, it, 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 you know, once we, we make that turn into September and things start coming into focus as to how the playoffs might lie mm-hmm. and, you know, what the potential is of both of these teams going far, uh, it, it'll, dom- it'll just. It'll dominate the sports "quote unquote" narrative, and uh, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be fun. I um, I, I go cr- yeah, you got to pretty much put me in a straitjacket when the Mets. Oh, yeah. he was, he was, you should have seen him at the game, Brett, when when Plummer hit the home run. Oh, I he was the it. he was the happiest guy in the building. I believe it. I turned around and he's got both arms in his air, in the air waving. I was like, oh, that's was like, the way it should be. It's the way it should feel. It hasn't felt like that in a long time around here. But the Mets aren't uh, terrible. They, the Mets have gone you know, to the playoffs. They, they've done things. They haven't. They were terrible in the nineties, the mid nineties, and we're too young for the eighty six. We were only five years old. But they've gone to the playoffs. They just break your heart, and they, the way they yeah. lose these games. Well, here's but the they were always overachieving. The, the, I look at this current regime, thinking maybe they've got it right, uh, and if they have, here's what we'll eventually end up with: sustained success. Exactly because. What we've had over the years are those, you know, those blips where you have those great seasons. You referred to it earlier, Bob. The uh, you're right. The '85 Mets, '98 wins, you know, whatever the playoffs. They it's spectacular, you know, postseason '86. Even though we were, <laughs> you know, we were on a tightrope the, the entire time, and then you know, and then it falls down. You know, it, it fades away and it's gone. And then the 90s happened. And then you have the occasional, like, 99-2000 or the 06 Mets. Then the class. 15 and 16, and it's gone. So we need sustained success. So who, I'm hoping. Who were the guys? That was- who were the guys we lock up? Like, who you have the you have the McNeils. I mean, we already talked about Dom Smith. I'm a big uh, McNeil guy. Big, of course, McNeil you guy. have Nimmo. You know, we have Alonzo, obviously. But it's going to be very difficult to give each one of these guys the contract and the money they want. And if you do, it, you're going to be sacrificing. Have something you not else seen? Have you not seen Steve Cohen? I, bank, bank I, I still, but I still, I still, I guess I have PTSD from every other season I've ever watched or every other owner that I just don't. It doesn't feel real that it'll continue forever. I know he did it this year, but can he give every guy everything? Yeah. No, he he can't and he won't. Uh, He's smart. I know this this sounds a little crazy, but I've read, and you guys have probably seen the same things, he is sensitive to the fact that if he were to spend like the drunken sailor, mm-hmm. uh, he's upsetting the apple cart. He's right. sensitive to the fact that there are other owners who can't do what he's willing to do. And so, he'll, uh, as crazy as it sounds, I'm sure there will be situations where he'll want to draw the line or he'll do the smart thing. He'll let a guy like Billy Epler and the quote-unquote baseball people bring things to him the way that Hal Steinbrenner says he has Cashman bring things to him. And if Cashman is you know, strong in his conviction, it's green-lighted. You know, right. Cohen will always give the green light if... He's convinced that it's based in you know on sound judgment, and I think that's why I say this current regime, which is more than just Steve Cohen who has the tremendous resources, but it's Billy Epler and you know Sandy Olson to a lesser extent, and the baseball team. Let's see if they can get it right. And based on what Epler did this off season, these are some pretty good decisions they've made. <laughs> they brought 
in, you know, the Escobars, the Canas. The Cano. Get, like, get rid of Cano. Cano would be get on this team if it, was, uh, well, if it was the previous. That's a great example of where, Steve, you benefit from the Steve Cohen. Or at the trade deadline. If you need to take out a big contract, well, you know, maybe you do it. And because you have the resources. But yeah. you need good management more, just as much as you need deep pockets, obviously. Yeah, I mean, that one of the best things I heard this year was when he said, we're going to do what, forget about the money, we're going to do what's best for the baseball team. Yep. That's all we wanted to hear forever. Forever. That's it. That's, That's all it. we wanted to hear. And uh, that is something that has uh, really, you know, not been there since, well, you know, since Madoff. Yeah. It hasn't been. Well, we'll uh, see. Hey, look, uh, and all these little losing, losing seasons, it's going to be that much better when we do win. Because we've never seen it. Uh, we've right, ne- right, you've right. seen it. Yeah. We've never seen it. You can't yeah, enjoy yeah, it. I, nobody I enjoys it more than Mets fans. Me. Yeah, my, I, I keep referring to my two sons because, as you might imagine, guys, uh, you know, they were Mets. In fact, they were both in Shea Stadium uh in utero, <laughs> my, uh, if, if you go on YouTube, you can see my late wife and me on Banner Day in 1984 uh, with uh, with my son Stephen. Uh, she was eight eight and a half months, eight months pregnant, and we marched in Banner Day. And we it's on YouTube because Kiner uh, and Stephen. <laughs> oh, she must have loved that. She must have loved that. She was. Come on, we're going to Banner Day. <laughs> you know what? She was such a sport, uh, and it was 95 degrees that day, and they were playing the Cubs. I don't know how she held up, uh, and uh, it was like 3,000 banners that day, and our banner said, Future Met warming up in the bullpen. Oh, uh, that's and great. Yeah. And I you know can't pass end. that up. Once you come up with that idea, she's got to go. Oh, that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That so and, uh, yeah, she was like queen for a day, waving to the fans. That's and, funny. Uh, and so Steve was born, and uh, he's a Mets fan. And, and Gary, my second son, uh, was uh, in utero. Uh, my wife and I were at uh, Game One of 1986 World Series. Oh wow! Uh, and that that wasn't a good game. Yeah, uh, it turned out okay. She unfortunately wasn't with me at Game Six and Seven, but uh, oh, you were at Game it, Six and Seven. Oh yeah. Oh really? Wow. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm I'm saying oh yeah because. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I, we get it. You don't have to explain to us why you're saying it like that. We get yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. I, I have a. Uh, I'll tell you a quick story about game. This is hand of my heart, true story. I was an upper deck box seat, left field. Uh, it plays into the story because I am literally staring at Kevin Mitchell standing on third, thinking, get him home somehow, and this game is tied, and we have a new life, and. They, this is when they took out Sheraldi and brought in Bob Stanley. Yep. Now, Stanley, you know, I knew he's been around a long time. I knew what kind of a pitch he threw, uh, which was that heavy, that hard sinker of the ball is, that, that might end up inside the, the left hand is, yeah. So I started screaming. And I mean, remember, this is the 10th inning, so I've, I've got a few in me uh, here. And uh, <laughs> I, I, was, I was feeling, you know, loud and. He comes in. I started yelling even before, you know, while he was warming up. I was yelling, "Wild pitch! Wild pitch!" Just like this. Wow. Give me a wild pitch! Give me a wild pitch! And of course, the at bat, the greatest at bat in Mets history happens, and the uh, the rest is the history. wild pitch happens. Gets past Gedman, and uh, the guy. There's a kid behind me, but you know, a younger guy, 
and he stands up and he starts pounding me on the shoulder hard. He's like, this effing guy called it. This effing guy called it. This effing. Guy it. <laughs> like, that and sounds I, like you take George calls. Yeah. The Huskies have won it. The Huskies have won it. <laughs> I think. Well, what I I didn't call anything. All I did was just hope for a you know. Just, I wanted Mitchell to come in. I didn't care how yeah. he got in. And it was more Mookie Wilson than anything else because he he had to do a nice hop, yeah. skip, and jump to get out of the way. Well and then to the ground. Uh, That's a great, great story. That's a great story. Now I know I know you got to get going in a minute here, Bob. But um, I wanted to get one of our buddies. His name is Drew. He's a huge huge UConn fan. He wanted he wanted me to ask you top your top five UConn Huskies of all time. Oh well, you know Scott Burrell's got to be number one only because he's a hometown guy. And uh, Scott is, uh, in my estimation, is the greatest uh, athlete in the history of Connecticut. So Scott would be uh, a personal favorite just because he's a good guy. Uh, look, Ray Allen is probably the greatest UConn husband yeah, of definitely. all time. Uh, Rip Hamilton uh, yep. is right there. Uh, so let me give you two more. Those two are the obvious standouts as far as uh, – the greatest Huskies of all time, Allen and Hamilton. I'm going to go with Scott Burrell. Personal favorite of mine, Chris Smith. Okay. Uh, another, another Connecticut guy. Um, and boy, I'm come up with uh, five here. Uh, what about what's his face? The guy that made the run. The, the guy that did that came out of nowhere. They won the championship. Why can't he was on the Knicks this year? Who Kemba? Kemba. You know. Considering that, and I, I'm, I'm tossing all those names around in my my head. Considering that he single-handedly, basically willed them yeah. to a championship, yeah. that is a great, great, great ball. I have no argument with yeah. that. My you mean, they weren't even going to the tournament. Right, right, amazing. Just, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of anybody else in that category, but no, I, I would say. That's a great call. So let's not even go any further than yeah. that. Kemba Walker. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Drew will like but it. But Scott, Scott Burrell is my, uh, is my all-time favorite. And I just had one one more quick question. Now, if when your significant other meets Howie Rose, does she talk to him about the Mets, or does she ask him about the Mateau call? Oh, she is uh, absolutely going to talk about the Mateau call. Yeah, absolutely. and then me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> absolutely. And Howie is... Howie is um, somebody who, if you get him going on the Mets, I don't need to tell you guys, then uh, you better you, know, you better book uh, yeah. at least oh, a full yeah. day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, he does uh, that on the radio. They almost can't go to commercial. He's telling these stories. He's going on. And he loves it. He lo- but I love it. He's great. He's great radio. He's great. That's why it's so great to listen to. Exactly. Howie's great. Howie's. I mean, he's, he, we are so lucky in that we, we have Howie Rose and Gary Cohen. It's amazing. And of course. That booth, uh, you know, Gary Keith and Ron is to die for. The Mets have always had good booths. I like Gary Gary Thorne. That's why you could listen to the games when they were losing. It wasn't, you know, other teams you can't even watch when they're when they're winning because they just it's very painful to watch. But to listen to those guys and how knowledgeable they are and how much they really actually love the Mets and the sport, it's uh, it's a pleasure. But uh, yeah, those two those two guys in particular, uh, Howie and Gary, you know, both Queens guys. And uh, I mean, they they do bleed uh, the orange and blue, don't they? Well, I think I think it was fate that I ended up buying those tickets. I don't know if those are your seats or not, Bob. But if they are, you come, you know, you you have a gun looking to get rid of some. You hand them this way. Um. <laughs> they, they they are actually. I picked a good year to retire. Yeah, that's wild. Uh, the, 
I, I bent an arm and a leg for those tickets that day, and I had to get them because my buddy was sitting down there. And that's that's a whole other story. But I paid Rangers playoff ticket prices for those seats because it was a holiday weekend. But um, I'm glad I'm re- I'm really glad I met that game. Yeah, that was absolutely. a great game. It, well, it was a great game, and this was this was great, Bobby. Listen, when the Mets if the Mets go to the playoffs, we're going to need you back on. I really enjoyed it, so you can uh, definitely pencil me in in advance. I'd be happy to join you guys. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Bob. Thank you, Bob. Thank you. Thank you for everything. You bet. Keep up the good work. I uh, obviously, uh, goes without saying, really respect what you guys do, both uh, in your professional lives and uh, with your avocation here. You're doing a great job. Great podcast. Thank thank you, Bob. Thanks so much, Bob.